Well, let's thank the Lord. And let's give a great big welcome to our online family too today. God bless you. We're so glad you're with us. Peace to your house. It's going to be a good morning. You may be seated. You may be seated. So glad you're here. I don't know if you heard or not, but today's the 32nd anniversary of Meadowbrook Church. Where were you 32 years ago? Some of you weren't even born. Some of y'all were already 80 years old. And I love the beauty of our, of our, of our church family. God's been good. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. God's been good. And uh, it's been a journey, um, but I'm telling you what, God has just been good. Now, people handle anniversaries and things like that in different ways. I think you should celebrate the faithfulness of God. Um, but a lot of times what we do is we kind of mark it. And we see pattern of this in, in scripture. God would do something great for them and they would lay a stone. They would do something to mark and to celebrate, even have a feast. I'm planning on feasting today. Come on, does anybody like food in this place or what to do? Some of y'all, I don't know what your problem is, you know, but um, they would feast. But you know what? Then they would lean forward. They would go into uh, the next thing that God has for them. And you need to know this. Nothing about God is diminished. He is the ancient of days. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing about God is weakened. Do y'all hear this? God's not getting older. We are, but there's nothing about God that is diminished. That thrills me. The greater one that is in us, we can count upon him. Amen. At 32 years ago, my hair was a different color. I had more hair. Some of it left. Has not returned yet. But you know what? My heart is strong. It is steadfast. Trusting in the Lord as the scripture says, I don't fear bad news. My heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. We've been through enough. We've watched enough. We've been around long enough to see that God is faithful. He is good. He is strong. He is faithful. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Amen. Um, also, um, I hope you came today wanting some hope because you're going to get some hope today. Because our world is uh, parched. Our world is, there's not a lot out there giving you hope. News will not give you any good news. And there is good news coming. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. There's good news coming. We're, we're made, to, made to think nothing good's ever going to happen again. We're always going to be sick and locked down and this and that. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not, a, I'm not a prophet, but I'm going to tell you, soon you're going to start to see some real good things happen. Soon you're going to start to see some good things happen. And let's stop spectating. So many people, we're, we've gotten into a news culture. It's in your, it's in your hand. It's in your, it's in your purse. It's in your pocket. And just what now, what now, what now? And then we watch it. It's all the time. It's there. News, 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 news. And we, we've become spectators. Cut it out. Take your place. Stand as a redeemed child of God. Know that God's hand is on you. And I'll say this at the end today, keep in mind the big picture, follow the King of Kings, 
And there will never be a good reason for you to panic. Y'all hear me? Big picture, king of kings. It'll be all right. Amen. You know, sometimes I think about it and I'm not, I'm not making light of what's going on in our world. There's some crazy and serious things going on in our world. But when you can see the big picture, it's kind of like, I think it's over in Animal Kingdom at, at Disney. There's a dinosaur ride. That thing is terrifying. And there's dinosaurs that come out of, out of nowhere and they're right there and they're, and they're right on you. And then your Jeep that you're in, it, it seems to go off track and there's a volcano about to blow and everything else. But every time I've ridden it, I come off. But, but sometimes we, we, you know, life is like that. You, you're going to make it. Right now there's dinosaurs and you feel like you got two wheels off track. I'm telling you, God's got you. You're going to get through. Stay in the ride. Okay, stay in. Or they won't let you back in again. Amen. Well, are you ready for the word today? Hey, I got good news for you. I just want to tell you, before first service, the last 12 weeks, 219 people have walked these aisles and given their life to Jesus. 219. Thank you, Jesus. Next week, I'm starting a brand new series called Gladiator, about putting on the whole armor of God. We're in, we are in spiritual battle. You need to understand what that is, and you need to understand that God has given you everything you need so that even in the evil day, you can stand. That word also means to withstand. God hardens us for the troubles that we do have while we're still in this earth. And God gives us the equipment. He gives us the armor. He gives us the weapons. And uh, we are overcomers. Matter of fact, we are more than overcomers through him. You do not want to miss this. I'm going eight weeks on this series. And um, dive in. I've taught on the armor of God for a long time. And I'll be honest with you, I believe the Lord is showing me some things in the last few weeks, getting ready for this that I have never seen before that just thrill my soul and, and just bolster my confidence in God that no matter what day we're standing in, he's got us covered, y'all. I said he's got us covered, y'all. Amen. Well, today I want to do a, a standalone message called Build Your Church. Build Your Church. And that's what I want to say to the Lord Jesus who's head over all things to the church. Jesus, build your, build your church. Make us healthy, make us strong, make us full of love and have your way through us. Let's start in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now this gates of Hades, it's the power of death, the power of hell, it's the power of the enemy. And Jesus said this, it shall... I'll build my church and all the power of the enemy will not prevail against it, will not be victorious over his church. Did you hear me? Will not be victorious over the church and will not hold the church back. Now, in the days that we're in, you know, you would think that there's barely anything left to the church of Jesus Christ across the whole world. And yet you need to know that Jesus has a church that is strong, and uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but uh, there's over 2.2 billion people on this planet that identify as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. We're everywhere. Now, 
granite, I'm, there's probably a lot of flavors, shapes, and sizes of those that identify as Jesus. And, but here's the thing that thrills me. Today's the Lord's day. Did you know that? Today's the Lord's day. You did a good thing getting in the house of the Lord or making the effort to, to be a part of this on the Lord's day because that's the first day of the week. Well, how often does this happen? Every week. And you're to honor the Lord's day. And it's the first day. Whatever you do with the first part of anything affects the rest of it. Did you know you just signed up to be blessed and to have favor this week by honoring the Lord? I don't want to mess anybody up theologically, but God takes attendance. And he sees you online. He sees you. But we honor the Lord on the Lord's day. And here's the thrilling thing. On this day, on this Lord's day, as the, as the earth turns and the sun and all of that, all of that rotation, this day from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, about 2.2 billion people on this planet are going to honor the Lord today. And I love that. I love that. Amen. Now the word church, this is the first mention of church in the whole Bible. Now it's not the first time that word was used. That word had a more simple, more common usage, and church just meant group. It's a group. But I don't want church to just be a group. So this church that Jesus talks about, he said it's the called out ones. We read in 1 Peter, we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, y'all with me here today? And so we're the called out ones. Jesus has got a group. I'm happy to be in his group, y'all. And he's got plans for his his group. It is the largest single entity on the planet. People who call upon the name of Jesus. Now, granted, admittedly, church as a whole down through the ages has had its challenges. But undeniably, church has had an incredible impact upon our entire world. You wouldn't believe all the things that were begun as a result of church, orphanages, hospitals, education. So many things happen because people led by God said, we need to do this, we need to do that. There's so many, so many things. And then lives changed, lives changed. All that has happened. Now, when I talk about church, there's big C church and there's little C church. You're in little C right now. So all over this town, all over this nation, all over the world, little C is meeting. Little C is when we come together. Big C is everybody out everywhere. So Jesus has called us together in little C church. And he's called us in just a little bit. We're going to walk out those doors and big C church is going to strut its stuff out these doors, out into a dark, lost, and dying world, and you're going to carry good news to the world. I said, you're going to carry good news to the world. So my context today is, yes, Big C, but I'm also going to be talking about us as Little C. Here on the 32nd anniversary of the church, we're gathered together. I'm talking to Meadowbrook Church today, both as Little C and then as you leave Big Big C. So like I said, church as a whole throughout history has had some real 
challenges along the way and some problems along the way. And, and here's the thing. I want to reveal to you that the enemy, his biggest, dirtiest trick. You ready? The enemy of our soul, the devil. His biggest, dirtiest trick is religion. He's got to do something so that people do not go to where they could find more about God, where they could get free, where their lives could be helped, where they could, get this, could discover about the love of God. So he's been working on that a long time. So part of the biggest trick, if that's a big stew, it's religion. Add into the stew hypocrisy. Weirdness. Weirdness will flat drive you away. Y'all, let me tell you something. If you're going to be weird, do not mention Meadowbrook. You think I'm playing. Weirdness. I've, I've watched my share of weirdness over the years and hypocrisy over the years. And what it does is like, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with this. And see, for every truth, there is a road, and on either side of the road are ditches. The road is truth, and the truth will set you free. But you get off the road, you have extremes. All extremes lead to error. Did you hear that? All extremes lead to error. And so you go into one ditch, and it's excess, it's abuse. You know what that does to people? They don't want excess and abuse. They go into the other ditch to avoid it altogether, which is the ditch of avoidance. And what we want to do is stay on the straight, the narrow, stay on the road of truth and do this right because the, part of the enemy's biggest trick is to make people think bad about church and Christianity in general. So through religion, ritual, rules, hypocrisy, weirdness, failures, it can be boring. I say if it's boring, you're not doing it right. People get hurt. What God intended gets misrepresented. What Jesus said gets misquoted. And on and on it goes to create a history, to create an impression, to create a perception that church makes no difference. Church could just be optional at best. And church can't be trusted. So the enemy's been working on this for centuries. Look at me, listen to me. But the devil, the enemy, always overplays his hand. You hear me? He always overplays his hand. So he's been working really, really hard on that. But he always overplays his hand. How many of you know that sometimes in life there'll be a season that seems like the devil is winning in this season? Can I remind you of something? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. There was a day, there was a day where he thought he took out the Savior. It was a Friday, but Sunday came. The devil thought he was winning. Come on, he thought he was winning. And Jesus rose again. He thought he killed our Savior. He actually played into the very pl plan of God so that we could be saved. 
First Corinthians chapter two said, had the devil known, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. He always overplays his hand. Do you hear me? He always overplays his hand. And so, yeah, looks like in our world sometimes and seasons of life, right now we just look at our, our world with so much division and fear and hopelessness. And it looks like, man, it looks like he's winning the, in this season. I just want to tell you, it's Friday. And Sunday is coming, y'all. Sunday, Sunday is coming. Amen. As I've been saying, it's not all falling apart. It's all falling into place. Look with me again, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. In the message, paraphrase, Jesus said, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Love it. Look in Habakkuk chapter 2. Anybody reading Habakkuk this week? I saw one hand, but I think she misunderstood me. But it's in the Bible. Minor prophet here. It says, for as the waters fill the sea. This is prophetic. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. That's the purpose of the church is to create an awareness or knowledge of God in the earth today. This speaks to the fact that the purpose of the church will be accomplished. Listen to me. The world, just as the sea is full of water, the world will be filled will be saturated with an awareness that there is a God to the glory of God. Amen. Well, the local church is God's plan A. And look, look at this. And church done right is the hope of the world. Come on, read it with me. Church done right is the hope of the world. Not church, but church done right. Hey, it was church that almost made me quit church. How many of you? It was church. It's things about church. This, uh, they, they, uh, uh, all this weirdness, hypocrisy, hurt, whatever it would be, rules, this, that, control, all kinds of things over, over time. That's the enemy's trick. So it's not church. It's not just a group. It's church done right. It's doing the church that Jesus would build. That is the hope of the world. Because listen, God is moving. God is doing things all over this world. Now, CNN is not going to tell you about those. But you listen, God is at work all over this world. God is doing big things. God is doing small things. God is doing amazing things all over over this world. He is not done. He will not lose. Do not tell me that anything that the devil can come up with or, or people that are off track can come up with is going to diminish and smother the move and the work of God. Give me a break. God is at work. And here's my prayer, y'all. God, if you're doing something anywhere in the world, you're not a respecter of persons. Bring it here. And my focus, I just got to tell you, I love local pastors. I love local churches. I'm cheering them on. But my focus has to be, I've got lunch with a pastor this week, a local pastor. He's my buddy. And, and we need to have that camaraderie. But I'm telling you what, my, my job, my focus is to build this 
church to help this church because the stronger the church, the stronger the impact. And Alicia and I talk about this uh, a lot, that we've got to be strong so that, to help raise the spiritual water level because when the waters rise, all boats rise. And we want all the boats to rise. We want there to be such a strong church all over our community, all over our state, all over our nation. Y'all are looking at me like I'm reading the phone book. And this is burning within me. Listen, people living life without God, living, people living life going their own way, people living life the way of the world, and there's where the enemy overplays his hand because he tricks them into all that. It leaves you empty. It leaves you spiritually hungry. It leaves you damaged in your soul. And what it causes is this hunger. How many of you know if you're hungry, you're going to find something? Now, the, the thing about us is sometimes we're indiscriminate about that. Sometimes I'm home and I'm hungry and you just go to the fridge. Y'all hear me? I'll eat a carrot. Drink some Hershey's syrup. Ah, uh, there's pickles. You know, sometimes we're like that in life. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry for something. And we're trying to fill with every kind of, every kind of thing that's out there and it does not fill. But here's what God is doing. God is calling people. God is drawing people and he's drawing them to himself and he's drawing them to churches. Amen. Our society is the most advanced society ever, most educated, most technologically advanced. We have the greatest technology and there are things that are being developed right now that will blow your mind. There are things that already are developed and they're just not even released that will blow our minds. We have more conveniences than any people ever before. And yet without God, the same society is the most sad, fearful, sick, addicted, broke, and mean culture. Here's where it lands, y'all. The human problem has no human solution. Read it with me. The human problem has no human solution. What she said. Hear me on this. The human problem has no human solution. The government can't fix it all for you, sweetheart. Now, you be a good citizen because you're a citizen of heaven. You're part of his church. You be a good citizen. The Bible tells you to do it. But, do, but stop looking to the government to fix everything for us. We're creating a culture of people where the government will fix it, the government will pay for it, the government will got, and, and there is no human solution for the human problem. And so even while the enemy has led people all over the place and confused them and and is destroying their lives, there's a hunger within them, there's a longing within them, and the Holy Spirit is leveraging that hunger and that longing, and you watch what God's gonna do as he brings people to himself, amen. Watch what God will do. Now, the cross is so important to us. Okay, the cross is so important to me 
then. If, if not you, then to me. Beyond what happened on the cross on our behalf, the symbol of it is so powerful. We have a huge cross out front. We have a huge cross out back. When we complete all the renovation here, which is pretty soon, there'll be one right in the center there because I want to keep it in front of us as, as the centerpiece of the gospel. And the symbolism of it is so incredible because you've got the vertical and you've got the horizontal. And the vertical is not us reaching up to God. It was God loving us and reaching down to us. And in his love, he reached down to us. And as we embrace that love, we can look up to him. And we can be at peace with God. And once you're at peace with God, then you can go horizontal and you can be at peace with those around you. And his word, his word instructs you even on how to interact with what he calls unreasonable people and evil people and confused people. We still know what to do. And so the cross is incredibly vitally important, and this is the thing. Without the church, little c and big c, without the church, people are not going to know about the love of God that comes down so that we can actually look up to him and actually make, make better of the relationships and the people around us. Amen. So where are we? Where are we in time? What is the big picture? I want to show you a chart. I use this when we're teaching about end times. Don't worry, this is not going to get hard. This is decades of what I believe is comprehensive and orthodox grasp of end time theology how this is presented. I'm not going to go into all of it right now, but you know that God always was and God always will be. So you have the ages past and you have the ages to come. You do know it's forever, right? Okay. There are four major events in human history. All four of those, New Age thought, the spirit of the world tries to deny. So creation the flood, oh, those are just stories. No, no, no. If you're a believer, you're going to do well to go ahead and believe. Creation, the flood, the first coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. Now, by the first coming of Jesus, I'm talking about all the prophecy, prophecy fulfilled, virgin birth, life, miracles, teaching, death on a cross, resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven. Forty days later, after he res it rose from the dead, the day of Pentecost in an upper room, the Holy Spirit came in, an invasion of the Spirit into our world to stay. And that was the birth of the church. Okay? So when the church was birthed, that began the church age. So where are we? We're in the church age. Where are we at in this, Pastor? Because the next thing's a rapture. I'm going to tell you when the rapture is. <laughs> now that people, come on, tell me. I don't know. Can I tell you this so nobody sells you some creepy book? No one knows. Only the Father. He says in the Word, not even the Son. Not the angels. Only the Father knows. So if somebody's trying to tell you when it is, laugh at them just like you laughed at me when I said I knew. 
I pray it's soon. I ordered a, chur- a shirt the other day. It should come this afternoon. I'll put a picture of myself up in it once I get it. And it says, the king is coming. I said, the king is coming. All right. Well, we're in the church age. It began at Pentecost. It will end at the rapture. And the church age is also called the age of the dispensation of grace. Now hear this. By grace are you saved through faith. This is the time to get saved. This is the time to get saved. If you're here today and you're not saved, you haven't received Jesus, this is the time. And that's the way it works because every time you put it off, you actually harden your heart and get stronger at that decision to not. So whenever God moves on your heart, do it now. This will be the easiest setting in the world. Today will be the easiest day. That's why the scripture says now is the time of salvation. Don't put it off. The enemy of your soul would have you put it off, put it off, put it off. But we're in the age of grace, the church age. Now is the time to be saved. The church age was actually, and this is a whole big subject for a whole nother time. We'll, we'll talk about this. The church age was actually unknown in the Old Testament. There's prophecy alluding to it, but there was no clear detail or instruction regarding the church. All the other dispensations are pretty clearly outlined and spoken of in some detail. But the church age was hidden. We're in it. Y'all are missing what I'm saying. We're in it. God covered this until it was time to bring it out. God is wanting to do something incredible in the earth, more than just us doing what we do, having our life. This is the age of grace. This is the church age. Jesus said, I will build my church and it's going to get everything done that I want it to. And even hell itself is not going to hold it back. Amen. Amen. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, it says that the mystery, reference the church, the mystery of the church is now revealed. In Romans chapter 16, it says that it's been kept secret, but now is manifest. Now, the church is referred to by a number of things in Scripture, and one of them is the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. We are his betrothed, but technically we're not yet the bride of Christ. Bring, bring the chart back up, if you would. We're not the bride of Christ till after the judgment seat and then the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, just real quick, because I don't want to get off track here. The rapture of the church. How many of you know we're going? I hope we're going. We either die or we fly. I really want to fly. I've wanted to fly my whole life. And that will come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Greek word is atomo, and it actually has to do the, the smallest indivisible portion of an atom or a second. Faster than that. Out of here. Y'all. Then we're caught up. You don't want to be here. Will people get saved in tribulation? They will. But it's without the real grace that is here. Now's the time you want to get saved. His church then, his group, 
He catches us up in a way. In the judgment seat, we're all going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ, some of y'all just got afraid looking. You got called to the principal's office. The judgment seat of Christ, your works and your motives will be tested. Your deeds and your attitudes will be tested. You yourself will be saved. It's not your sins being judged. Jesus already judged those and paid the judgment for you. That was a good place for hallelujah right there. So you yourself will be saved, but what you do, everybody say what I do. do. Say this, why I do it. What you do and why you do it, your, your deeds and your motives are going to be judged there whether or not you receive any reward. It actually, and I got to hurry, it actually has to do with they review the race that you ran to see if you cheated, to see if you stayed in your lane. This was the ancient drug testing for your Olympic run. They won. Yeah, but they were mean to people. So it's tested. And then after that, this is so exciting. We'll talk more about it later. But then we become the bride of Christ and we come back with him. And big picture, God wins. Okay? Now, y'all were learning so good, I just, I got going on that a little bit. So right now, we're not the bride of Christ. Look at me. Right now, We're the body of Christ. How many of you have a body? I didn't say you were totally proud of it or anything. How many of you have a a body? All right. We are the body of Christ. Now, let me go with this. What are we to do? We're to function as the body of Christ. What should the body of Christ do? The body of Christ should do what Christ, what Jesus wants done, should do his work. Don't you want your body to do what you want done? We'll talk about it. Ephesians chapter one. Everybody hold on because we're catching a gear here. And he, God, put all things under his feet, Jesus, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the, come on, help me, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Notice this, Jesus is head over all things to the church, which is his body. Colossians 1.18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence or he may occupy first place. Notice he said before that he's head of the church, which is his body. Now he says he's head of the body, which is the church, which means whichever way you want to look at it. So you and I are never confused. He's the head. We are the body. We are his church. Okay. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the human body. Let me ask you again. How many of you have a body? The human body has many parts. Is that true? Okay, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the, okay, y'all are catching on really good here. So we have one body, his body, and we're part of his body, many parts, and we make up one whole body. Here's a question I always have to ask. Do you want all your body parts to function? 
so does Jesus. Do you want your body parts to do what you tell it to do? Wouldn't it be horrible if you had a part of the body that just went rogue? What if you had a part of the body that just wants to be lazy? What if your right leg today said, "Eh, y'all go to church, I'm not. Yes, you are. You think Jesus enjoys that? We have a body and he identifies it in this way because every one of us can recognize this. We can understand this. How many of you want any part of your body to go in rebellion? How many of you have ever had stomach issues? How many of you know that'll change all your plans? So just what you want for your body, Jesus wants for his body. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in, growing up in every way, more and more like Christ, who is, here it is again, who is the head of his body, the church, clearly in scripture. Go ahead. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, the church, is healthy and growing and full of love. Every one of you has purpose, gifts, talents, abilities, personality. Every one of you has a special work that you can do. Do you know that? Now let's talk about Little C Church Metabook just right here. Every one of you as a part of this body, he wants to fit us together perfectly and each part do its own special work. How many of you are enjoying worship? I mean, our worship team, I'm just, I'm just so thankful. But I got to say this, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Some of you, we don't want on the worship team. And I know you have a precious heart, but that might not be your special work. And if some of you, I hate kids, but I love Jesus. Well, we don't want you working with our children. Or if you have a record and you used to run a stolen car ring, we don't want you being a parker for us. But you all have something you can do. That's this part of the reason why we have growth track. This is a great time so that you can discover how do I fit here and even discover what are your gifts? What about your personality? Because God doesn't want us to just come together. He wants something to happen here. Now, one of our online families, the Squires family, they're in Indiana. We've known them actually for years. They come down sometimes. Uh, Their one son actually was a teacher at our academy for a number of years. They're in our online audience every week. And uh, one of them was on a trip recently and found this puzzle, peace be to this house, and she immediately said, I'm getting that for Pastor Tim. Because every week he tells us, peace to your house. And they take that and they receive that. So they sent us this puzzle. But see, this puzzle, I don't know how many pieces it has. Five? It's right there. See? See how we help one another? But this puzzle 
Listen, right now, it's just a gathering. And I'm not going to walk around with my box and go, look at my pieces. Look at all that. No, it's after you work with it and you assemble it. And you get all the right pieces in the right place. And you, and you don't want a piece missing. My wife and my son, they're like competitive puzzlers. I wander in when they're not there and just kind of put a piece there. I actually think sometimes one of them hides a piece so they can put the last one in. But church is not this. Church is not a gathering. Church is something that turns out beautiful as each unique piece finds its place. The labor is worth it to get everybody in their right place. Then you have something beautiful that you can say, come and look at this. And that's what Jesus intends for his church. Amen. The gathering is important so that it can be an assembly. Amen. Romans chapter 12. A couple more minutes. You got it? All right. Doors are locked anyway. They're not. They're not. Just as our bodies, everybody say, I've got one. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. This is taught clearly in scripture. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And what happens here is the law of mutual supply. You need the body. The body needs you. I said, you need the body. The body needs you. You might say, well, I'm working out this arm. I'm telling you. Well, the arm needs the body. And the body needs the arm. Um, When I was a little kid, Saturday afternoon, my brother and I and neighbors, we would watch these science fiction, sci-fi movies. Some of them just scared me to this day. I remember one in particular called The Hand. And it escaped out of a laboratory. Just the hand crawling along. And when you're nine... And it went after the professor, crawled out of the jar, crawled, and the professor is watching a movie with his family. And it crawled down the aisle of the theater, crawled up on his chair. This really can't happen, y'all. No, I'm saying this really can't happen, right? Crawled up on the chair and came up and choked the guy. How many of you know that can't happen? It can't happen. And see, here's the thing, though. We think somehow that we can be separate from. It's the law of mutual supply. It's the life flow. It's the nerves. It's the health. It's the nourishment. It's the support. It's everything. We need one another. And the church needs you, and you need the church. And when something happens to you that you get hurt, a number of years ago, I fell off the roof. I broke my back. I shattered my arm. And there's a good while where I had to count upon my right hand. I had to count on other things. I had to count on my wife and people close to me to just help, help me with things. And that's what the body does. When we get hurt, we help one another. And when we weep, we weep together. And when we rejoice, we rejoice together. And we help, you know, just, just like in your body. 
There's an old story about a Scottish minister, and there was a man in his church that had just stopped coming. He had in his heart to go visit him. He went and he knocked on his door, and the guy just opened up the door and looked at him and nodded, and they came in without a word. They went into the den and sat down. There's a fireplace there, and it's cold outside, and there's a good raging fire. Still not a word spoken. The pastor got up and got the fireplace tongs, reached into the fire and took a burning hot coal and lifted it up out and away from all the rest of it and set it by itself. And what was bright and hot and burning red in just a couple of moments cooled down, smoked, went out and became gray. Pastor waited a moment, went back and took the tongs again, picked up the coal, put it back in the fire, and within seconds, it's back on fire. He stood up, he left, not a word had been spoken, but the next Sunday, guess who was back to church? Can I tell you something? Church days affect the rest of your days. It's vital that you get to little C church so you can really make it as big C church out in the world. It's vital that we come together. And I, I've run into people and they go, oh, I hadn't seen you in a while. And I said, I'm still at the same place every week. And they say, how are you? I said, I am blessed, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed doesn't mean my life's perfect but I got the big picture and God's with me and he helps me with everything how are you doing oh pastor and I just feel like I want to take those fireplace tongs and pick them up and put them back with the rest and within seconds you can get back on fire again amen amen let me finish up today Church is a win, 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 win. It builds you up. It honors the Lord. It builds his body. It accomplishes his purposes in the world. And look as I close in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And I can ask or imagine quite a bit. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is, his work, is at work within us church to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever come on everybody amen amen, amen. thank God that we can be a part of his body big seat little seat part of his church that's where his blessing is found that's where his favor is found that's where his life is found and let's make sure that we carry ourselves in this world, reminding ourselves, knowing, knowing that as his church, the enemy is always, has always tried to silence, slander, scatter, do whatever he can. But I'm telling you what, Jesus said, I will build my church and all the power of hell will not stop it, cannot stop it and will not be victorious over it. And I'm gonna tell you something, folks, you listen to me. We're entering into some days where God is going to be doing some supernatural things. 
He's going to start to do some things so that no one can argue about it. Nobody could withstand it or explain it away. And I say, let God be God. And he's going to do some of it just as you share with somebody. He's going to do some of it just as you pray for people. He's going to do it sometimes. You don't have to be on a platform. The purpose for the platform so I can get up here and yell louder at you so you can go do the work of the church. And it's going to happen because you lay hands on somebody. Because you speak words to somebody. Because you show love to somebody. He's the head, you're the body. Listen to him, get connected with him, and let him tell you and show you what to do. There's an old hymn that says, let me move at the impulse of your will. I mean, I don't have to really think about, oh no, I got a button my shirt now. Somebody Google this. No, you just kind of learn to do it. And God directs us and he helps us to do it. The greatest days of the church, little C and big C, we're coming into them now. Jesus, build your church. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.